Hello, hello! I'm Chris. I'm Preston. And welcome to another episode of Just Two Dudes Reading Theory. This week we are reading Jacques Lacan's On the Mirror Phase, which in my edition is translated as The Mirror Phase as Formative of the Function of the Eye. Uh, whereas mine in the Ecree translated by Bruce Fink is the mirror stage as formative of the eye function. Ah, slightly different, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. Mine's from, um, uh, an edition edited by Slavoj Zizek called Mapping Ideology, which we'll definitely be reading more from later. But, um, first this week, probably best to just share with everyone some of the basics of what Lacan is doing here. Mm, definitely good to lay some groundwork on this one. Alright, so we're going to start with the experience of animals versus humans when it comes to the experience of looking at a mirror. Alright, so what's the difference? Um, so, for an animal, if uh, anybody who has had a dog or cat... Early on, their first encounter with a mirror, their initial reaction is, Ah! Who is this stranger? Mm -hmm. And this, you may have a moment of mimicking before the animal makes the connection that it's them. And then they don't care anymore. The mirror is irrelevant. That's, that's where we end. Yeah, because the threat has been neutralized. Yeah, it's... Exactly. There's, there's nothing more to it. Whereas a human, according to Lacan, and we're talking very early on, six months to early toddler, a um, little bit of a different experience, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, the human has the aha erlebnis, or which we would say a eureka moment, a moment of recognition, which Lacan argues the animal does not have which sets off for Lacan the journey of the development of the specular ego. The moment of recognition of an external object that what he's eventually going to call the ideal I. He says this form would have to be called the ideal I. It will also be the rootstock for secondary identifications, among which we place the functions of libidinal normalization. Basically, it's a, such a crucial stage for Lacan in human development as a whole. It's the birth of the idea, in a sense, it's a twofold idea. You recognize yourself, but the self that you recognize becomes crystallized. Mm. stayed in place and it also lays the groundwork to Lacan for the ego as experienced as permanent Ooh, you know and you have a sense of permanency in the ego that you don't have in the fragmentation of the self itself I also think the mirror as opposed to just a picture of yourself is incredibly important in this yeah. Because we don't see ourselves age in a mirror. It is always a solid figure to you because you don't see that progress over time. Do you know what I mean? You see it as a present. Yes, moment. it's yeah. always as far back as you can remember. I've looked the same way every time I've looked in a mirror. Yeah. 
he writes the, the it symbolizes the mental permanence of the eye at the same time as it prefigures its alienating destination. Now, there's good and bad uh, introductions to this one, and we want to be a good one. Um, nothing will replace reading the essay. It's a great essay, actually. But many commentaries get the first part, and only a few talk about the second part of what I just said. Which the, is prefigures its alienating destination. He also says that there's an asymptotic, symptotic, I'm not a mathematician, relationship. Basically, the lines of you are never going to meet. Always fragmented. You're always, always fragmented. fractured. Forever. <laughs> and then you die. Hate <laughs> <And laughs> <And> to <laughs> be also, a bummer. But it sets off the journey, which for Lacan is going to be the completion of your, I guess I'm going to use the word socialization, but I don't like it. Basically, bringing into the social sphere in the resolution of the Oedipus complex, in the way that you take up your position. And so the mirror phase is a precondition for the end result of you becoming you. Mm. You have to go through it, you know, and you have to, and you really do. Like, and, 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 uh, I think that it's really important to mention that, like, I don't believe that this experience needs a mirror. I think, like, for Lacan at this stage, possibly it does. But I think that the mirror phase can itself be a fragmented journey. Oh, or, you know, a, a, like a, a thing coming in. Yeah, I don't know if you need one Eureka moment. The Eureka moment can dawn slowly over the whole. Oh, absolutely. The... I don't feel like the mirror phase necessarily ended for me as a six-month-old baby. It's, well, you're it's not more going, like you're not going to be there to know. I mean, it, however the phase is, by the time you're having any memories, I would argue that it's completed. I don't think this is a phenomenological concept. Mm, I don't think yeah, you're I'm not going to have more phenomenological. Yeah, I don't you're think right. you're going to have you're right. like reaching back and experience what you are going to have an experience of is a recognition of facets of your ideal eye. But he does mm. say that that, that outline, but the you know, the mirror the image would here. seem to be the threshold of the visible world. Mm. I think it's even deeper than just an experience you have in that way. I'm still... Stuck in becoming I'm in Guitari mode here. You're in Guitari mode where Guitari it's like it's, I'm, the I'm mirror phase is becoming. always active. It's always <laughs> active. I'm always becoming me. I think that what that Lacan would say is that in your phrasing of that, you're just doing the asymptotic line with your ideal eye. Huh. You're just, re you know, right? You're, you know, the journey that he's saying towards that ideal eye. It's much more like the Cut Worms song castle in the clouds ah. where he reaches space and goes through all these transcendent things in the climax of the song it climaxes then he goes wait haven't i seen you before hmm. you know and mm. the best you can do is some vague thing instead of instead of like a true experience of the mirror in that way i think that yeah, so yeah, another important part about this yeah. is when he uh, he mentions that uh, 
This form situates the agency known as the ego. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought that the mirror phase is important in birthing the separation of imaginary. Yeah. You know. And the ego as object. Because um, remember, the ego is not the subject of right. the unconscious. The ego is this object. So the form situates the agency known as the ego prior to its social determination in a fictional direction that will forever remain irreducible for any single individual, or rather, that will only asymptomatically approach the subject's becoming, no matter asymptotically. how... Asymptotically. Asymptotically. Although I like asymptomatically, because it would be definitely the opposite. It'd be, it'd be symptomatically, right? <laughs> Medical terminology slipping in here. Mm -hmm. uh, asymptotically approach the subject's becoming, no matter how successful the dialectical syntheses by which they by which he must resolve as I, and this is ideal I, that we're using the, uh, if yours is the same edition as mine, he yes. italicizes his ideal I. Yeah, we got an italicized I. His uh, discordance with his own reality. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, like, remember that Lacan to... You know, if someone goes to school and they go and they read some Lacan in their humanities classes... Like, one of the, one thing that everyone should do is just go and put a circle with a bard's, with a bar through it. The bard subject. You're, you're never in the throes of grasping fundamental desire for Lacan. You're always on a journey, receding, going towards. I mean, he even says on one of the pages... A movement from insufficiency to anticipation. <laughs> and then we stop. There's nothing after anticipation. <laughs> and I think that's great. I think that, like, one way you can think about this is as a precondition for, like, a paving of the way for the big other. Right, we don't have the big other in this, but we have I, I think something this is close. setting the groundwork for the big other without a doubt and this is why some of the uh readings well i use reading generously in this term yeah of this essay i think completely missed the point on on this when it's talking about like and that's why we have the fashion industry is because of the mirror phase and you're like yeah but like that's yeah. why we have a lot of things <laughs> yeah but you, you kind of miss some important stuff here. are we not going to talk about the big other here and how this is kind of creating this um i also think that like the mirror phase is important in creating an image of yourself amongst the rest of your society which yeah. groundwork for the big other because now it is it is not just your pure desire that is no it's always know, driving yes it's always mediated yes yeah like uh he says um the symbolic matrix in which the italicized i is precipitated in a primordial form before it is objectified in the dialectic of identification with the other and before language restores to it in the universal its function as subject. Mm. So like sometimes he uses the phrase the wall of language, which is great 
And just imagine it. A wall a made of words. tsunami of words just <laughs> raining down upon you. Yeah, and I think that, like, what we have here is this idea that you have to lose... It's, it's like in gaining your... In gaining the this phase, and gaining gaining is a weird word. In losing this phase, in losing through this phase, you gain access to the symbolic, but you also lose the primordial version of wholeness that a lot of psychoanalysis depends on you not being able to achieve. Oh, that was a lot of retroactivity, right? But like. The idea is that there is a sense in psychoanalysis from the Freud de Lacan perspective that there's a lost object that you're searching for. It's kind of like it's kind of like the Fisher King myth. And you're losing it, but as soon as you get it, the scenario retroactively has already changed for you to then lose it again. Mm. And this is part of it. Obviously, there's there's more, and this is slightly more specific than just psychoanalysis as a whole. But there is this idea that in seeing the ideal eye, what's loaded in this essay is the idea that before there's needs, but now now there's wants. <laughs> Mm. And that's not probably biologically true, but like you have to express your desire in language. You have to learn how to communicate and you do have to find the wrong word that still functions. <laughs> and I think it's all tied up in its germinal form in the, in the mirror phase. Um, it's it's great because I think that a lot of schools of thought today aim at wholeness instead of the prefigured alienating destination. I I don't know. There's the idea of wholeness seems really attractive, mm -hmm. but it's I don't know. It's one of the things I kind of like about Lacan is like more the acceptance of a fractured being. Yeah, and I don't think you have to be Lacanian to broach into this line of thinking. I think it takes opening any American self-help book where it's like, you know, like open up a Deepak Chopra and it's like, it, it's promising a lot. Even if he doesn't say it's promising a lot, even if the language is fuzzy and ridiculous, it is saying, it's promising a sense that you're one with the universe. And for psychoanalysis, as we read from the Kristeva, the obscene flip side of that is the essay Powers of Horror. Yes, you can be one with the universe. You've been enveloped by the maternal. I, <laughs> Back to the ooze of the so earth, you know? If one is one with the universe, yeah, and they're, you know, out for a hike... And they're attacked by a bear. If they were one with the universe, 
Do they accept their place in the universe and be consumed by the beast? It's the or circle do you fight for of your life. fucking life. Yeah, well, I think that's why, like, the circle of life aspect in... I mean, in Lion King itself, it's a fantasy that doesn't work because none of the animals fit in that circle really well. You know, it's like, yes, we eat the thing and that thing eats... The... I think Zizek has a point where he goes, like, I hate the circle of life because... You know, if you really put it into language, it's ridiculous. Well, and also <laughs> you know? the movie itself kind of throws off the concept because right. a bunch of wild animals completely throw off the entire ecosystem because they overpopulate. Yeah, but well, 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 doesn't doesn't Sim in the language of the movie doesn't Simba come in to restore the yes, the and then he comes back and say yes, then yeah. Jesus comes and, and saves the monarchy us all. saves us all. Yeah, and I think that like. I think that what we're doing here is before any religion gets there. You know, I think, like, mm. before uh, before Christ shows up on the scene, you have these steps. I think, I think that's actually one way in which a lot of religions do feel themselves undermined by the last 200 years of developments, because it's all these things that come before the Word of God. Mm. You know, your like, evolution comes before God. And I think that that, even if in like real time, supposedly God created the universe in a lot of religions, you have, before you got there, your being as a human being in the species. And I think that psychoanalysis adds another before that Darwin opened up. You know, like this mirror phase is just another before Jesus gets here type of experience. Cool. Uh, maybe it's like even a precondition for human religions to focus on a savior like that. Oh. Instead of on, I don't know, the number four. I, you know, like, I mean, I... You imagine a being and they could have any number of things they worship. But for humans, it keeps coming back to... I mean, uh, similar structures. Right? Absolutely. I think it definitely yeah. takes advantage of this concept of like the fractured being. I mean, at least from experience, Christianity is all about the, uh, you are a fallen being that can only be made whole through the word of God. And Lacan would just say, well, of course you experience it that way because of your prefigured alienating destination. <laughs> that is, and, and I think that's great because it undermines a lot of later things that happen. But it also, well, I, I guess my question is, um, what do you think VF Cordova would say about this essay? You know, because like the spinning tops where in, in the VF Cordova talk, we talked about she gave an image of humanity as just being kind of a larger disc amongst other moving discs. And obviously it was like a four page essay, but like it seems less concerned in the mythology that she was talking about with the same version of wholeness, at least that Christianity does. Ooh. That's a, I, I think you bring up a really interesting point here. Yeah, I think um, that like don't, don't you think that like like when you have white appropriation of Buddhism and also of native beliefs, don't it for me it becomes kind of ideological because you see a sort of well these these people have the answer. 
or my wholeness or something. Oh my <laughs> right? god! Like these people yes. have the way I can do it, which I, isn't I feel really like in you there just at all. Like you know, hit the nail on the head of like the the Indian guru tourism thing, where you know. Oh yeah. And you go. You're you... lost in your young years, and so I'm gonna go spend some time in India and find myself a guru. Because they have the answers for me. Yeah, the subject supposed to know becomes not whatever religion you were born into, but becomes orientalized, like into some other... Oh, it must be even farther geographically away. The answer must be in China or something. Listen, I'm feeling a little targeted here. Post-Christianity... Right into Eastern Eastern theology. Well, that's still at least a better step. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean definitely a better step, but yeah. like spot on. Well, I think you can kind of predict these things, right? I think like, um, you know, we experience ourselves as individuals most of the time, but I think that we have to also have this very strange awareness in most of our movements that we can track the signifiers of our motion. We can, mm. we can go, well, like, if you look back, I bet you could, in time, give a pretty logical explanation about your motions that you wouldn't been able to have give when you were living it. I, I'm... Right? Definitely. I yeah. mean, I think we've explored that a lot with the whole exit from objectivism. Yeah. And, better yet, the entrance into objectivism and why it made total sense post... 18 years of intense religion being like the dominating factor of my life. Yeah. Why objectivism made total sense to move into that. But to me at that time, I didn't see the movements. I didn't see the tracking, but you look back on it, you're like, oh yeah, this all, this all connects. It all connects. And and, and the moments that are more revelatory are the moments of exception where you go that didn't feel like me and those are more interesting usually to to harp on right but i also think that like when we're talking about wholeness i think that it's never just one word it's always tied up in whatever system of economics you have at the time so like like i i I, han says it zizek says it everyone says it in continental theory which is like Look, the rise of these self-help books is a symptom of late-stage capitalism. It's not like this version of wholeness is appealing to someone out of the blue. And I think a certain... I think I think one word, one way you could think about the word wisdom as having any use at all is tied up in that recognition. Mm. You know, and it's not about... I, I'm not making a point about free will. Right? I'm not saying that all of our actions in any register are always predetermined. I'm just saying that when we choose something, our experience of it as a free choice is tied up in the ideology of the time. (laughs) And it depends on our not noticing it. Absolutely. I mean, this, right. It depends on us thinking it was freer than it is. (laughs) And which I think he, he definitely dives into the concepts of like, I don't think he ever mentions free will specifically. Yeah. But he's getting into this idea of, like, your your steps aren't necessarily predetermined, mm-hmm. but they're not 100% at 
at your call all the time. And this is, yeah. this was... You're at the beck and call to a certain degree of the object ego. That usually, I, like, the response of when people are like, well, what do you think of free will? I usually just, like, well, it depends on how you define free will. Yeah, are we using it in an existentialist way? Like, you're condemned to be free? In the psychoanalytic way, more and more, I just accept Todd McGowan's idea, which is that the locus of freedom is the, is the unconscious. That the ego as stable object... Like, what we want is what we're not going to be able to get, right? Which is, we want some sort of free choice made in the ego that we can't trace to our symbolic signification we want some choice but what psychoanalysis would I, I in my version of psychoanalysis would say is that at best you're achieving a goal through a sort of misrecognition that functions mm. you know like the really egotistical artist it's like it works. Fuck it. Who cares? Like, we're not going to change some egotistical artist until it doesn't. I mean, you know, look at Kanye. Very egotistical from the beginning. But there's a period where it functions, and there's a period where it doesn't. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a stability in which art is being made at a certain degree of competency, and then, and then not. You know, yeah. and now we don't. Now we don't have, you know, I mean, if you listen to Kanye recently, he's, first of all, I, I wouldn't recommend any listening of Kanye right now because he's become very, very terrible as a person. But. Dude needs, dude needs help and less yes men. Dude yeah. needs help mm -hmm. and less people trying to get in on, on the money. Well, and don't you think that that sort of is like, so one of the things that Lacan throughout his entire life is harping on, he does not like what he calls ego psychology, which includes most therapy in America. It's changing. I mean, there's there's a lot. It's pretty wooly out there in America right now with therapy. It's pretty crazy. But like um, the idea that we're going to edify the ego to achieve reduction in symptoms. It's been fed enough. It's been, yeah, the it's ego is strong enough. enough. It's the, strong enough. That's the ego is strong enough. And so like, I think that you can see here the reason why because if you feed the ego the best case scenario is the misrecognition will become total and they function fine you know i'm not saying therapy's bad i'm just saying like it's served up to you as a service mm. you know instead of instead of understanding the process in which you went through to become where you're at or, or you well, know. I mean I think a a good way to like look at Kanye to pull back any mental health issues anything like that I think the big flip there that happened is his ego used to serve him and at a certain point he started serving the ego and it all oh, yeah. just kind of fell apart you know what I mean? Yeah, instead of subservient to a craft the craft was subservient to the ego Ooh. which is kind of scary actually Like that's that sounds like a really really that's bad that's how you start do. saying stuff like I'm the voice of a generation yeah and in a weird obscene truth it's like yes you kind of are I mean <laughs> you were until you 
had to tell people you were. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, so... There's just this really beautiful moment. Before we jump into... the, We watched one video that was really bad and we want to talk about it a little bit. But before we do, I just want to talk about a beautiful part. So he says... Where imagos are concerned, whose veiled faces it is our privilege to see in outline in our daily experience and the penumbra, so partial shadow, of symbolic efficacity, the mirror image would seem to be the threshold of the visible world. If we go by the mirror disposition which the imago of our own body presents in hallucinations or dreams, whether it concerns its individual features, infirmities, or objects projections, or if we notice the role of the mirror apparatus and the appearances of the double, in which psychic realities, however heterogeneous, manifest themselves. I mean, he really lays out, like, his own reading. You know, the way he synthesized the whole of what he considers psychoanalysis. So, you know, you have the Freud we we did in terms of the uncanny. Mm -hmm. And it, which fits, this essay fits perfectly in the lineage of the uncanny. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just is an extension. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It's like the first uncanny experience. Yeah, where it's not... It's not like a human that's not quite human enough. It's you. And that's that's what's most uncanny for, for Freud. And I think for Lacan as well. Oof. Good, There's another good callback. That that was I liked I liked that. That was Yeah. Um did you like how he became a traditional psychoanalyst for like two pages? Um in mine is when he talks about the fragmented body and dreams. He gives us some actual dream symbolization where the fragmented body Oh yes. Yeah, so let's talk about that for two seconds. What what does he say about our dreams here? Well, you should also know, he makes sure to mention here, that the fragmented body, it's an expression he got accepted into the French school system of theoretical references. It's like, you thanks? Know, humble brag, bro. Yeah, thanks, bro. Th th thanks, Lacan. <laughs> you woman getter, you. <laughs> <laughs> A point that will make sense shortly. <laughs> So, it, continue the oh, know, going into traditional psychoanalytic stuff here. And so, the fragmented body regularly manifests itself in dreams when the movement of the analysis encounters a certain level of aggressive disintegration of the in the individual. So, like disjointed limbs, organs. I've had a dream. Of, I've had these dreams, you know, where like things aren't in the right place. You know, or like you're missing things, or too many things, or the vague shadow of a thing you don't know is your body. Those are all I've, a part of it. I've also <clears> thought <throat> this is connected to um, the inability to run fast when you want to run fast. Or like actual separations of physical movements from oh, yourself yeah. in dreams, if that makes sense. Yeah, and like what... For you, what um, what is that experience? Running away from something, and no matter how hard you try, you just feel like 
you're barely moving and you're getting exhausted. You never had. Have you never had this in a dream? Oh yeah, no, I've had it. I'm just. But like that, that separation. Yeah. Between. Like. Familiar things, I yeah. would say, like the. In a similar, you know, way to I, I still dreams or I, I don't think we've quite figured all that nonsense out quite yet. We're still kind of hedging in on what all that. Oh all yeah, of about. course. Like from the scientific perspective, like we're just but, talking in the Freudian model here. <laughs> but um, like that. Uh, I think still fits this disjointedness and fracturing of self. Yeah, but I think from a different angle. If that yeah, makes I think sense. I think you're, I think for that one, I would also include that that because it's an anxiety dream. I think it mm. it has a different layer to it as well. Although I actually would say that all of these other encounters, I have this, I would have the same emotion in my brain. Um, yeah, I think that's good. So like, and then of course we reference Hieronymus Bosch. Which he says, the very same that the visionary Hieronymus Bosch has fixed for all time in painting. Yeah, it's, uh, he calls it, um, he says, this form is even tangibly revealed at the organic level in the lines of, and I love this weird word, fragilization. Fragilization. Which define the anatomy of fantasy. Ooh, mine's a little different. Mine is... Uh, in the lines of fragilization that define the hysterics, phantasmic anatomy. That's a good. I like album yours name. more. Phantasmic anatomy. Phantasmic anatomy is a great album name. Yeah, and then in the which and, is manifested yeah. in schizoid and spasmodic symptoms. Sure. <laughs> Some of the more stuff that's more inside baseball of psychoanalysis. I go, sure, we'll get there. Um, then, so we flip the fragmented body dreams with the other types of dreams, which I have a lot of as well. The formation of the eye is symbolized in dreams by a fortress or a stadium. Its inner arena and enclosure surrounded by marshes and rubbish tips divided it into two opposed fields. I love the weird random things. Get this, this is his dream. <laughs> Your marshes and stuff. Like, I'm like, yeah. Hey, yeah, what does yours say? Why do we feel the need to, like, this seems like an unnecessary, like, no, this is what he actually said. <laughs> the eye formation is symbolized in dreams by a fortified camp. Not a fortress. Get your French right. <laughs> or even a stadium. Distributing between the arena within its walls and its outer border of gravel pits. And marshes. Where are your gravel pits at, Chris? My gravel pits rubbish tips, which I'm gonna... I, I don't know if Zizek did this translation, but I don't know what, what that rubbish is. Tips. I don't know if that's a thing. I, I think I like yours better on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and then it goes, dividing it into two opposed fields of contest where the subject flounders in quest for the haughty and remote inner castle. Okay, this is funny because I actually have never had that dream. <laughs> this, this entire paragraph is like... Yeah, I mean, they're saying the same thing, but we've got some interesting choices. You've got a lot fluffier language. Oh. Mine is, uh, so, uh, distributing between the arena within its walls and its outer border of gravel pits and marshes to opposed fields of battle, not contest, battle, Chris. That's the same. (laughs) Oh, it's all the same. 
Yeah. Where the subject bogs, not flounders, they're different, bogs down in his quest for the proud, not haughty, remote inner castle. It's, it's the, they're all the, the same, same thing. It's, it's so like these are interesting, different choices. I like how yours are a lot fluffier. Mine are a little fun. more like yours. Yours are a little more shadely French, and, and <laughs> it's funny. Um, what and then I love this back thing here, where it goes in the castle, which in its shape symbolizes the id in startling fashion. You know, like mm. like the in the, I think this is true in the in the interpretation of dreams, if I remember right, where you know. Have you ever had a dream where you're in a in a endless building, tunneling in cabinets? You know, you're tunneling in, and I think that like the vaguely familiar tunneling house is one that I've had a lot. Yeah, like a house that is yours or a friend's house that suddenly has another chamber that isn't real. Oh, I had that all the time as a kid. It was cousins and friends' houses. Yeah, yeah, and like I can get that. I also like, I think that that's fine because it maps on to burrowing into your own history which i think maps on to the journey towards the id i think that's all good it's just funny because like um this is really early lacan and he doesn't do a lot of tradition like you know what i mean he like he doesn't do a lot distances of distances himself increasingly from traditional psychoanalysis yeah he doesn't he goes, do as right? much like just like here's some basic dream interpretation you yeah, know this is also something we're gonna have to bring up yeah. when we talk about our lovely let's do it i think we're ready right here wait let me introduce <sighs> really quick so we watched um i've watched a lot of introductions on the mirror phase a lot of them are really good and um i've actually read and i read the one in the acree and then i brought the one i brought translation um but preston and i also this week watched the YouTube channel School of Life's introduction to Lacan, and seven um, minutes. It was like really? eight, eight minutes. And I've spent more time than that on a paragraph of Lacan. Yeah, well, that's what like so. The School of Life is this YouTube channel from Elaine de Baton, and it's it's one that I would forcefully resist as much as possible. I would recommend everyone who's listening to go watch it so that you can understand fully why it doesn't fit the model it's actually talking about. Mm. Um, but one of the most important... Yeah, so now we're in it. But go for it. Yeah, now go for it. Go for the... the so, fun. one major thing I had an issue with it that you mentioned when we were talking about it earlier is the fact that as he gives us this introduction to Lacan... He speaks of Lacan as if he was the same person throughout his entire career, held the same ideas that he found in the beginning, and that was that. Yeah. And I think that is objectively bullshit. The man changes and adds and twists and goofs around. I mean, he's, he's always different. He's always different. He there's the Lacan of different eras. It's the Lacan of the. I mean, I mean, even even putting him in three phases. So like you know, the first one is the Lacan of the imaginary, which we're reading now, and then you get the symbolic Lacan, which is through like seminar, past seminar seven, but seminar seven was very much in the symbolic, and then you know by eleven you're more in the world of the real, and with all of those, he has a different view of the uh, mirror stage. 
he adds things in anxiety about the the looking back of the infant looking at themselves in the mirror to make sure they should have seen from an authority figure. And, you know, he adds all these things and they're, they're good. I mean, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's just, it's just, you can't talk about Lacan as this stable ego. (laughs) Just exists in space and is permanently, he's not Epictetus where it's like, or Laura Stoic where it's like, oh, this is just the document or something. Yeah. Another thing that's terrible about it, and this is just truly terrible, is that um, the video is is sort of bite-sized self-help kernels. It read like a bad cliff's no- cliff notes of Lacan. Yeah. Like the person who wrote the cliff notes skimmed somebody else's spark notes to yeah. get there and we're slowly losing some important info with these as we go cuz it just Well and it also adds. I mean, it, he makes a really big point to talk about in the video it posits this idea of humans being fundamentally alone. And and dealing with loneliness as the main thing in life. And again, like Lacan would never do that for a lot of reasons. But first of all, the main reason is because so anxiety has a lot of different presentations, right? But but one presentation is that the other is too close. Yes. <laughs> the over proximity of the other. So that that type of thinking is directly contradicted in Lacan himself, but it also this is psychoanalysis, which means that the treatment is individual. You go through different... I mean, he's going to have these roadmaps of things that we all go through. Like the mirror phase. But how one deals with that isn't the same... It's where the branches it's where the, the branches. fractures come from. Yeah. like So, like, with the self-help thing. Like, yeah, like... It might be an ideological reason why the same person goes for the same self-help book. But if they go to psychoanalysis, that would be where a difference occurs between one person and another. Mm. So yeah, it's like I, not, not everyone is suffering from the same type of loneliness. Yeah, the the video very much read like L- Lacan soup for the soul, you know. Oh my god, yeah, that's great. Like... There were a lot of these, and that's why Lacan suggests you do this instead. I was like, where were the call to actions in this? I missed that in this little essay. I didn't know Lacan was asking me to do anything except, you know, Learn know that I'm a fractured being. Well, I think that that's, and he directly talks about it. So the last paragraph of the essay reads, in the recourse of subject to subject, which we preserve, Psychoanalysis can accompany the patient to the ecstatic limit of the thou art that, wherein is revealed to him the cipher of his mortal destiny, but it is not in our mere power as practitioners to bring him to that point where the real journey begins. My translation's better on this one. Oh, yeah. Mine's mine's better. Go for it. Go for it. Mine is, uh, most of it is literally, they've just moved the same words around, but the last line, I think mine's way better. Oh, yeah. And I also think is really important. Um, So where the cipher of his mortal destiny is revealed to him, but it is not our soul power 
as practitioners to bring him to the point where the journey truly begins. Oh, that's better. Yeah, I think that's much better. I, I don't like I, Cipher in there actually at all. Say, I, I, mine had Cipher. It's dumb, but I think Soul oh, was yeah. kind of one of the things I really liked in there. The Soul powers as practitioners, like the path to your, you know, taking up skiing. Yeah, your better self awareness. Like it is, it is not solely in the power of practitioners of psychoanalysis and therapy. And I also like, especially nowadays with generalized self help books that are Mm -hmm. super prevalent. That I still am like that. But how do we sell this many copies? When it's it's so over generalized, I just feel like that doesn't fit how people trauma any any of this works yeah no i like yeah it it requires some very intense soul things but it's not the responsibility of your therapist psychiatrist they are not the ones with the full power to uh set you on this journey of, you know, expanding your mind, thinking of things otherwise, or better yet, making you feel whole. Yeah. It's, if anything, most of that works on you. Yeah, and, and, and like, I, I just think you're right. I think you're right. So I, I pulled two quotes from the video that I want to read, and one one was mid-problems, but not the end of the world, and then one was just horrible. So... This is the first one, which is like, I mean, I guess, but not really. With Lacan's help, we can hold on to a more accurate picture. I'm sorry, let me phrase it. This is actually horrible. With Lacan's help, we can hold on to a more accurate picture of what is normal to be more or less always alone. This is a foundation on which we can build more mature relationships. I don't know. That seems pretty dumb. I I don't know. Like, like on one hand, yeah, like there's a self-awareness inherent to psychoanalysis this is that's kind of banal and true where i have I an like issue that is so ego feeding yeah that is yeah so right? ego feeding though like it's yeah. you you won't truly learn to love another person until you love yourself more than anybody else oh my god that's right which is self-help bullshit i think it it is Lacking all the nuance of what it means to actually be a fucking human being. Yeah. And having relationships with other human beings. There's also... There's also, like, a really particular issue, which is that... There's this phrase, the non-duped error. Which is that the non-duped are in error. That the... Okay, so at the end of the Rick and Morty episode where where the guy starts spouting off truth, it's the one where the guy, he raises his son, and the guy's like, Jesus oh, was when a he pagan, finally gets blah, 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 blah. and it's so funny, but at the same time, that's the Thanksgiving's sort of... about genocide! <laughs> and on the one hand, that's all true, but it's an example of where he's an error, because he's not in the symbolic anymore, <laughs> right? And so the non-duped error, so you, like, you, could, you could argue that Lacan would not like that quote for that reason as well. I think another thing that's, this is just a little pedantic, but there is a really, like whenever you use we statements in academic writing, I think it's really important to think about who you're actually 
talking about. Hmm. And I think that, like, Elaine de Baton is just thinking of anyone watching the film. <laughs> and so with Lacan's help, we can hold on to a more accurate picture, blah, 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 to be always alone. Yeah, and there's sorry, a weird I... dissonance between the we and being alone thing in my brain there, too. It's Not like... to mention, I... I was under the impression pretty early on doing anything academic, which if you're trying to talk about Lacan, I would teach Lacan better yet to a mass audience. I would consider that semi-academic. Yeah. You don't use collective pronouns because it disintegrates your argument. Yeah, do you mean we as analysts? Or we as... We as all human beings? Yeah, like... We as the people in this little area? Yeah, like... What are we, we as profoundly handicapped or disabled? Like we, we, uh, like what, what are we talking about here? And the we is just too, too, and way too much work there. It becomes also ideological, right? Because you assume this we that's not, it's not existent. You, you can't do that in stuff like this, especially someone language heavy as Lacan. You, you, you gotta be particular. You, you gotta be a little bit more particular for sure. Okay. The, this is the one that I just thought was the most dumpster fire of the quotes. It's funny, because that was kind of a dumpster fire, too. That was pretty dumpster fire -y. Here's even worse. Ready? Lacan never stopped trying to communicate a very difficult fact. What odd, immature, and lonely creatures we are. It's because we refuse to recognize this and don't budget enough time to absorb the grief that we're more miserable than we need to be. Okay, the part where it's correct? Lessening suffering. Yeah, okay, that's that's fine. That's That's one of the goals of psychoanalysis. But, like... Some people, sure. I mean, again, I just go back to this, some people, yeah, but also, what in that is Lacan? Like, what possible... He never stopped! <laughs> he never stopped! He was so tireless in his journey yes. to provide excitement for us. One day, they'll understand, as he tirelessly scribbled out his seminars. He tirelessly, One day! He tirelessly achieved his journey asymptotically to the ideal eye. <laughs> Okay, one, one last one before we call it good. So, in the video, he talks a little bit about Lacan's unorthodox practice, practice of therapy. And he referenced the short sessions, so the sessions were usually one hour, but Lacan would do it based on the needs of the patient. Um, so if you got a really big breakthrough, stop. Okay, great. Um, Love it. And then, like, another one is, like, his barber would come in, and this would happen. And, and like, okay, cool. Like, the barber comes in, and I, and I think, like, on one, he, the way Elaine de Baton analyzes that, he says that this delivers the insights in a more relaxed way. First of all, Lacan doesn't talk a lot to a patient. What is relaxed about anything <laughs> I've read from Lacan? And again, I'm just going to say it. Anything that's happening in the analytic scenario is should be, I would argue, somehow tied up with that individual patient absolutely it's not like the barber is just coming in like that's i mean i mean and, and even if that is and even if it is a more relaxed way it's not just that no this, <laughs> it can't be lacan was not getting his hair cut and been like i'm having a seminar later why don't you join us mr everyman Yes, and I'm so... Bring some comfort and relaxation to the audience. I'm so sorry about your existential OCD in which you're so afraid of death that you've never been outside. Here's my barber. Like, maybe that would help for that person. But, you know, it's like... I mean, I mean, these are real people who have real, real problems. So, like, 
on the one hand, the video does a good job of talking about how Lacan, the idea of a normal person is neurotic. The, but, but, the, the, but normalcy itself is not, is not what we're doing here, man. Like, we, we have to function. And if we're not functioning, that can display itself as a symptom. But we're not, like, all going through the same experience. And to think that we are does real harm in the world, I think. Like, real, real harm. Oh, I think it's a, a large factor in, mm-hmm. like, major disconnects with other people is this, like, absolute inability... To see that everyone's experience is not the same as yours. Yeah, like, um, like so one, one symptom. Um, so when someone's nervous, have you ever been with a person and they'll go, they'll be relaying a memory and they'll have done an action in the memory when they're telling you a story. And then they'll do a quick aside saying, as anyone would. Or, you know, as I would. And what I interpret those utterances are as, as hysterical. As a as a reach for something from from you to validate that they did the right thing. Yes. But so, for example, if someone is like is a in the Lacanian model psychotic, not one word of that video makes any sense <laughs> because what it is could be easily interpreted as if you go and saw Lacan as a therapist, and let's imagine this fantastic scenario that that you watched the video of him before you went in. It wouldn't be too weird to think that the psychotic would say Lacan paid Elaine de Baton to make him look more cool. (laughs) (laughs) And this would loop us around to our first 30 seconds of that lovely seven minute video of me going, "What, what are we doing here? Where in our introduction to Lacan, we talk about him being an intellectual celebrity, unheard of in this day and age, and how he got the women, and he was a cool, popular dude, man. Which, doesn't that, all All I'm hearing, I'm just, you know, analyzing Baton at this point, which is what I'm saying is, for him, is, I really wish... I was Lacan. I'm an saying. intellect. Why I'm don't an intellect. I get more ladies, Why man? Where are all my women's? Look, if you know enough Lacan, you'll be drowning in pussy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, I mean, what are we doing here? These people are suffering. I mean, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, when, when someone goes into an analytic scenario, you know, people have a problem. I mean, not, not always. I mean, you can just go in to, to know yourself or whatever. But, like, you know, again, let's say a person really does believe that the Christian... Let's say they're a, they're a psychotic. And they believe that the Christian God... The imminence in Christianity is tied up in their actions. Now what do you got, Lane Vuitton? What are you going to do? Hit me with your wisdom, bro. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's like if you move the wrong dish, the rapture's tomorrow. You Ooh. know, like that's not... It's the Vallis stuff. Yeah, it's Vallis. It's Philip K. Dick. This is why we're going to do some dick at some point. But like, do some dick at some point. But <laughs> some PKD. But like, I, I just like, I just think that like, one of the messages that we've been 
going through with everyone we've read is that just because everyone has an individual, possibly therapeutic, arrangement at the end of a treatment doesn't mean that there aren't structures that we can rely on. Hmm. But to mistake the two is just, God, awful. I mean, God. Yeah, Limbaton, one last thing about him. His opening strikes me as, like, let's say you're faculty in a department that's not philosophy or the humanities, and, you know, someone mentioned the word Lacan, and it's like a professor you want to sleep with, and now Alain de Baton has given you the appearance that you know more than you do. But in <laughs> fact, that would never work because the she would be like, this is a pickup artist who watched this Anybody video. Anybody who actually <laughs> like read the text would be shit. like, because then like any good professor would start correcting the person. And then because I'm just imagining the audience for this is just some incel dude. He just like would be just completely put off by being corrected. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was fun. I liked that one. Yeah, the writing on this is beautiful. Um, I think yeah. after we do some killer start, lines, killer but, lines. But there is yeah, one line, line. Yeah. I have to. Uh, oh, this paragraph, which um, scratch that. It's a sentence. It just looks like a paragraph. Bring it on. Look on. The inertia characteristic of the eye formations can thus be understood as providing the broadest definition of neurosis. Just as the subject's capture by his situation gives us the most general formulation of madness, the kind found within the asylum walls, as well as the kind that deafens the world with its sound and fury. Yeah. Whew. That's great. Let's end it on that. Yeah. That's a good one. It's... Yeah, it kind of tied up a lot of the stuff we're talking about here with these other things. So I think that's a, that's a good quote to wrap this one up on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Preston, for joining me on Lacan's Mirror Phase. Yeah, thank you, Chris. That was a, was a good one. I mean, how many of the things we've read so far have been hedging at Lacan? It was a matter of time. Everyone references had, yeah, him. Yeah, it was yeah. a matter of time before we had to jump in here. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody. Until next time.